This is Ethan Butte. And this is Stephen Passanelli. We're co-authors of Rehumanize Your Business. And you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly marketing book podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal during this unusual time is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I either run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning, the host and guest may very likely be drinking cocktails during these conversations. I mean, come on. They are recorded during the cocktail hour. To find the show notes for each episode with pictures of each guest and links mentioned in their conversation, visit marketingbookcocktails.com. Marketingbookcocktails.com. See what I did there? And if you'd like to join the conversation, email a voice recording to me at douglas at salesartillery.com, and I'll try to include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. Ethan and Steven, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you guys? Awesome. Fantastic. How are you? I'm great. And tell me where you guys are right now. I am in Colorado Springs, Colorado in a makeshift home office in my bedroom. Excellent. How about you, Steve? And I'm in Downingtown, Pennsylvania in a makeshift office in my garage. (laughs) Oh, wow. And so you're outside the uh, Philadelphia area, right? That is correct. Yes. Okay, excellent. Well, I'm glad to be able to talk to both of you. When I interviewed uh, Ethan about Rehumanize Your Business, I I didn't get Steve um, on the line because I'm not that good interviewing multiple people. So I figured with uh, maybe a drink or two in me, I could (laughs) give it a whirl. So, But before we talk about Rehumanize Your Business and how that book is even more applicable now in the pandemic, we got to get something really important out of the way. Steve, what kind of Harley Davidson do you have? Oh, no. Uh, I had, I just sold it. Uh, I had a Harley Davidson Street Bob, which was, I spent significant time, as, as everyone does, customizing it. It was so low to the ground, though, that I'm getting old and it, it hurt my back to ride it. And so I'm like, you know what? I need something a little bit more, a little bit more luxury and, and uh, forgiving. I should so say. did you get a replacement? I did get a replacement. I got a BMW R9T. Get off the call. No, I'm kidding. I <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you're moving on up. That's, that's, that's fine. That's great. Well, I didn't know about that. Have, now, have you been riding it during the uh, pandemic at all? Oh, it is the absolute best time. I mean, there is no one on the roads. <laughs> Sunday rides are just pristine. Like I, I have never enjoyed riding a motorcycle more than I have in the past two months. Oh, excellent. And are you able to take anybody on it? Um, it, it is available. I, I have to make some slight modifications to bring it back to, because uh, I, I have this rack on the back and okay. a couple other things. But, uh, but my wife does like to ride. She used to ride before we had kids. And we talk about getting a, you know, like a true cruiser in the future and, you know, riding around the country. Excellent. So now my sense is that you guys traveled around a bit with your jobs. Did all that suddenly stop? Ethan, uh, what, what happened to you? Yeah, it just, uh, I canceled a bunch of hotel rooms and flights as soon as, as soon as the company shut down. We had a 
you know, we, we left the office, I think within 48 hours of, Hey, we, maybe we should do this too. We're out. And at the same time, it was an immediate travel ban. So, um, for, for the, for team members. So yeah, I've been at home for quite a while. I haven't seen Steve in person in quite a while. And, mm-hmm. um, he won't be coming out here to Colorado to bomb bomb HQ anytime soon. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I can bring you all together, you know? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure that uh, people who work for BombBomb are perfectly able to uh, have lots of video calls uh, all day long. So remind us what uh, the company is that you do. And Steve, you're the CMO and Ethan, you're the chief evangelist. Is that right? Correct. So so you went to Divinity School and Steve didn't. Please go ahead. What Tell us about BombBomb. Our, our whole MO is that you are better in person. We want to get you face-to-face with the people who matter most to your business, even when you can't be there in person. So by recording and sending simple video messages, you overcome both time and distance uh, to create these in-person moments with people. So we make it easy to do that from your laptop, from your mobile phone, in Salesforce, in Zendesk, in Outreach, in Gmail, and a bunch of other places, um, all with the goal of, of letting you be more personal and more human more often. And after I read your book, I was aware of some of those things, but your book really inspired me to start using it to the point where it was sort of head slapping like, Douglas, why have you not been doing this? This is so easy. And it's not even video. It was not even videos that were just business. It was like trying to explain something that just wasn't going to work in a, an email. Mm-hmm. And uh, so have you found that there's a renewed interest in your book, uh, Stephen? Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and, and you said that you know, just trying to explain something—that's one of the the three methods that we tell people, or or filters that we tell people to use to evaluate whether a video is uh, is is pertinent or not. And that is one: is it complex? Two: is there emotion involved? Uh, or three: do you need to build trust or rapport? So all three of those things for today, right now. Because of what's going on, you know, people are looking to do those things. And the book has, uh, you know, definitely been a renewed interest in the book and people picking it up and posting and talking about it and using it. Uh, We actually have a great story of a company using it as their blueprint for the entire year. Even before the pandemic happened? This happened actually, yeah, it was right before yeah, their their whole mo is uh, you know rehumanize and to stand out and be different and so we, we actually went out it was our last was that it was close to one of our last trips together Ethan Ethan and I went out and and met with them in person and and uh, got on board with uh, rehumanizing with video super so. On the Marketing Book Podcast, I've recently uh, changed up the uh, lineup lately to focus on things that I think are even more important for the listeners. So I recently interviewed, uh, they uh, as we as we record today, they haven't published yet, but I recently interviewed Nick Morgan, who wrote, uh, Can You Hear Me? Communicating in a Virtual World. And then I interviewed Rohit Bhargava about his book that he just rushed out about virtual meetings and virtual work. Uh, And then I'm going to be interviewing Jeb Blunt pretty soon about his book that he's rushing to to market, uh, an e-book on virtual selling. And then Tom Searcy, the whale hunter, uh, he's got a book out called Selling in Place. And uh, I I think you guys are probably amused at how many people are rushing these books to market (laughs) 
since you already kind of wrote that book. But I mean, yours was uh, much more detailed about some of the specific things and why they're they're more effective. But uh, it's almost like maybe I should have you guys come back on because it's uh, become even more relevant. And actually, Nick Morgan, uh, his book was published in um, in 2018. Have you been uh, getting calls from folks saying, "Hey, can you can you do a webinar? Can you talk to us?" Suddenly, would they get your book? Absolutely. I mean, as all the in-person events shut down, so many people transitioned to virtual. And the most fun and interesting thing is that Steve and I have both spent a lot more time in uh, as podcast guests, as virtual event uh, hosts or presenters. And so have several of our teammates, some that were doing you know, occasional appearances and presentations and things are doing them very, very consistently, including one of our co-founders. And so... Uh, to your observation at a high level, there is a lot more interest. And it's interesting because we've been at this for a decade, right? Like <laughs> You did well, it before it was cool. Right. Like, but but, the, but the, the problem that simple personal videos solve is a problem that people had five years ago, which is I can't get face-to-face often enough with the people that I want to be close to or to stay psychologically proximate with. And so uh, the, the, the exciting thing now is that people see the need uh, much more obviously. It's a much more acutely felt pain to be distant from the people who you need to be connected with. And so uh, we've been invited on all kinds of things and we've had a really, you know, deals that were kind of, you know, for a variety of reasons, just kind of cooking on the sidelines, like, well, oh, we need with to talk bomb to- bomb? Yeah. We mm-hmm. need to talk to this guy or we need to rope this person in, or I need to get approval from that thing. Like all of a sudden they're all fast tracked and like moving forward. And so it has accelerated. And this is a theme you'll hear talking to anyone basically in, in, at any point in a business, it's dramatically accelerated, uh, a lot of digital activity that was otherwise a kind of a nice to have, or we'll do that later, or we should start planning it. And all of a sudden it's, we need to execute this today. And video, fortunately, uh, for us, and fortunately for the vision that we have that's cast in Rehumanize Your Business, um, ha- has had a really nice uptake. Yeah. So, Stephen, let me ask you, what are some tips for people to get better personal videos? And don't be afraid to state the obvious. <laughs> and don't use pra- me an example. Well, practice. <laughs> practice <laughs> would, would be the number one tip. Just get out there, just start sending videos, of course. But, you know, people think that that if they just get the video tool and they start sending videos that people are going to watch the video and they're going to be enamored with the video and want to reply. And, and honestly, that's not, that's not the case. I would love to tell you that it's magic and people just automatically reply to all the videos that you send. And, and that's not true. Uh, and so, you know, when people first get it, there, there is a, a learning curve on top of trying to be comfortable on camera and be natural on camera. Because one of the mistakes that people do right off the bat is they're nervous and they're like, oh my God, I'm recording my first video. Let me write out my script. And they write out a script and then they're like, hey, Douglas, I'm reaching out to you today because, and it's so robotic and not- Kind of like me asking out a prom date in high school. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe. I wasn't there. I'm sure it was excellent, but- uh, but yeah, so it's getting over that fear and knowing that it's okay if I mess up. It's okay if I don't have everything perfect. I don't need to write out a script, write down three bullet points if you really need help remembering or five bullet points uh, to get over that fear that you have of, of recording a video. And the key is, is, is just to be you. Your imperfection is your perfection. 
Mm-hmm. And so the little things, the little quirky things about you or what make you n- unique, that's what people are going to connect to. And, and the fear that you have in creating that video, that vulnerability that you're putting forth will actually come across in the video and you'll connect more with the person on the, on the other end. So it's just get in there. It's practice. Don't use, don't use a script. And here's an important one. I'll give you one more. It's smile because mm. again, people are nervous. And so they'll be like, Hey Douglas. And rather than starting off with a big warm smile, depending on the, the message, of course, if your message is <laughs> you're <overcome>, fired, <laughs> yeah, depending on the message. Hey, uh, but, but yeah, a big smile and show, show warmth, right? People, uh, people believe that they connect through warmth, through competency first. That's an Amy Cuddy line. Like people mm-hmm. want to connect with you and believe in you and believe that you're trustworthy uh, before they want to know you're competent because they want to use or they want you to use your competency for their benefit. And so smiling would be the last tip I would give. Yeah. I've, I've, of course, now I'm really studying these things. And as I read additional books about, you know, the, the, the altered way that we're having to communicate more, a lot of it, I keep remembering from your book. In other words, that you have to, you actually have to pay more attention, like on a video call anyway, not necessarily just sending one message, because you really have to, that's one of the great things about the um, uh, wearing a headset a lot of people don't do, is you can actually hear what other people are saying a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to smile more, you, know, you try to get more of your face on the camera, um, you, you, you try to pay attention a little bit more because the, some of the technology strips it all out. I've found that, you know, to your point about the imperfection, when I start one of these videos, sometimes I'll say, man, I'm not too good at these videos. I'll say that. And then I relax and it's like, okay, now I screwed up. Okay. But, you know, and then I I continue on. So it's sort of, I I get that imperfection out of there. I'll be honest, I'm lowering the expectation of the recipient of the video, but you know, but it, Hey, it's working for me. And isn't that, isn't that what it's, what it's all about? But it's, it's so true. Now, Ethan, you realize you were the fourth Michigan grad I interviewed on the Marketing Book Podcast, and uh, I, I've introduced you to the other three. Yes. Thank you so much for that. That was awesome. And uh, so, with any luck, I'm going to be interviewing all of them. In fact, I spoke to one of them uh, yesterday, uh, Louis Gadima, author of Bullseye Marketing. I got to try and get William Merriman on and Tracy Eiler. She's scheduled. So, you know, Michigan represent. Absolutely. And, and William's book, uh, the, the invisible brand, it's about AI and marketing that was, that won an award from uh, Porchlight book company, formerly 800 CEO read. It was the marketing book of the year for 2019. Mm. I think I'd heard that, but of course, you know, once these books are on the marketing book podcast, they tend to start picking up these awards and I'm, I'm sure you guys have experienced the, uh, the same thing. I mentioned Michigan because not to uh, rib you, but I mean, come on, I've already had one drink here. I was due to be in Columbus, Ohio this week, giving a talk at Interact Ohio on the campus of Ohio State. And just to get ready for that, I bought a new bow tie in the Ohio State colors. So, uh, but it all got canceled. So, I see you're smiling. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, that's good. Um, the only thing about Ammerman is that he said, please don't talk about, you know, Ohio State. So, so, so here we are. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a fundamentalist. I'm not into collegiate slash religious wars. It's all different strokes for different folks. You're not a fundamentalist, but yet you're the bomb bomb chief evangelist. I, I'm confused, Ethan. 
I am. You know, it, it, there's no sense in taking hard lines on things. You got to meet people where they are and appreciate them for who they are and where they are. My goal as an evangelist is to let people know that every time they're clicking send on another faceless digital message, they're missing an opportunity to make a bigger impact and to be more effective and more satisfied in the work that they're doing. You know, that reminds me of yet another thing from your book. It's all coming back to me all from the recesses of my mind. But I remember in the book, you talked about how videos are often much faster than doing email. Stephen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially, I, we use four times faster in the book. Uh, but I can speak six times faster than I can type because I am a horribly slow type. I'm sorry. I shouldn't use all the fingers because I'm really like a, a two-finger type. Well, you do have that Italian heritage, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can actually put together a video, a quick line. You still want to use some text. And, and that's another mistake that, that people commonly make. Again, they, they just put a video out and they think that people are going to play it. Um, and you do need to use a little bit of a text to, to drive that video play, to entice them, to use the curiosity gap. But don't um, put have- all of the message in the text as well, right? Yeah, correct. And so, so you want to use the text to drive the video. The reason why you're sending a video is for probably one of the three reasons that we described earlier, you know, emotion, rapport building, or a complex topic. And so you want someone to play the video. You're, you want to build that connection with them. And so the text underneath should drive that video play, but you don't have to type it all out. It's not double the work, but you hop on your video camera and yeah, just speak to the camera. You know, you could explain it better if you were in person and you can talk faster than you can type. And, uh, and yeah, just add a quick line underneath, drive that video play and you should be good to go. And that's, and that's not including the things that you should be doing with your animated thumbnail, which we can get into that in, in depth as well to get people to actually play the video. Yeah. Now, I want to say something that you guys were very clear about, or Ethan, you certainly were. You get rehumanize your business. You do not have to purchase BombBomb to do anything in the book. No, abs- absolutely not. Yeah, it was like uh, the book Conversational Marketing by the founder of Drift, David Cancel. He talked about chatbots, which is what Drift does, and that was also a brilliant marketing book. But he was very clear saying, you do not have to hire my company for this. You know, so it wasn't, believe it or not, guys, unlike you, I sometimes get books and it's uh, some approach and it can only be done with that author's software. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah, so we, 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 have, we have only two three-star reviews on Amazon, and otherwise they're fours and fives. One of them is, I'm halfway through it, so far so good. I'm like, well, can you please make that a five when you get to the end? I, I hope think you can how- respond to a review that says, well, stick with it. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, then, and then the other one was, you know, there are tons of, this was, I loved like the duality of this. There were so many good tips in here, but it reads like an advertorial for BombBomb. And so my comment was, no, we, we wrote this first person. And obviously we've so much of what we've learned is through our own use, through our own relationships with our customers and learning and teaching and developing this philosophy and practice. And so, yeah, BombBomb is a character in the book, but these ideas, these practices, just the philosophy itself is applicable anywhere. And with, you know, any of the, any of the different softwares you might use to do this, or, you know, the, the cumbersome and in my mind, foolish DIY approach, just because it takes too much time to 
do it without a piece of software to accelerate the recording and sending process. To do it consistently. Like, to, correct. Like if someone wants yeah. to do it consistently, they're not going to do it that way. Yeah. Right. And that's makes me wonder if that's yet another review where they didn't read the book. I was talking to an author the other day. Um, oh, Rand Fishkin. And it was talking about his book, Lost and Founder, and it, about startups. And it was really, really good and brutally honest about the startup world, the tech world. And I was asking him if he had gotten a lot of pushback for, you know, sort of bursting some of these myths about the tech startup world. And he said, not really, but uh, some people said, well, he'll never work with the venture capitalists again. <laughs> but he said he didn't want to in the book. <laughs> so <laughs> now, and so uh, there, what was it? There was another... Um, there was something else in his book where, uh, oh, oh, then we started talking about um, Jonah Berger's book, The Catalyst, How to Change Anyone's Mind. And in that book, he was explaining things about different political points of view in, in a few places, simply to give an example of how somebody came from one side to another. He gave lots and lots of examples. And while we were on the call, sure enough, Rand Fishkin brought it up, and he found these uh, reviews saying pointing out something from the first couple chapters that Jonah Berger simply used as an example of two extremes. And they said, why is he promoting that? <laughs> so it was like, yeah, of course. Well, they probably didn't read the book. Um, they probably didn't buy it either. So, you know, what are you going to do? You know, haters going to hate. So <laughs> Stephen, let me ask you something from the book. Yeah. Um, there was something I remember, and that was when you say, uh, Sending videos doesn't just make the recipient feel closer to the sender. It makes the sender feel closer to the recipient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I, and, and we sort of alluded to that a, a bit earlier with that vulnerability play. Mm -hmm. uh, and we learned this through, through uh, Andrew Brodsky. Where, where does Andrew work now, Ethan? He is a professor at the University of Texas, Austin, uh, Macomb School of Business. And so uh, he did some research with us and, and found that, you know, not only the vulnerability, not only does the recipient connect with the person that sent the video, but opening yourself up and being vulnerable with someone creates trust as well. And they found that to happen in face-to-face -face communication too. If we were hanging out and I opened up about something in my past or my family, like to you, I would, I would instantly feel a bond or connection with you because... I trust you enough with that information. Now, when you send a video to somebody, you're trusting them enough with that video, with you on the screen that they can replay again and again. And the same dynamic happens with that level of vulnerability and trust. So it actually is a two-way street, which was an interesting dynamic that Ethan and I, when, when that came out, we were like, oh man, that's really cool. We didn't, you know, we didn't think about it that way. Yeah. So does Penn State ever play Michigan? <laughs> yeah. Play? yeah, yeah. <laughs> play basketball twice a year. Really? Yeah. Does it get ugly between the two of you? Uh, no, no. And again, is <laughs> yeah. I know you're you're both lovers, not fighters. And, well, I, I mean, there was that lost there's that lost decade of Michigan football, and you know, you just learn that it doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, sure. Um, so. Ethan, Eagles football. <laughs> <laughs> Eagles football. Uh, so you're an Eagles fan. Are you from the, the Pennsylvania originally? Yeah. Uh -huh. 
Okay. So I just have to share this one little story. Now, Ethan, you're originally from where? Uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Ah, excellent. Okay. So my, uh, as, as I was sharing with Steve and my wife grew up uh, out, probably not far from where you live outside Philadelphia. And so her dad always watched the Eagles, you know? And so back in the sixties, that was probably the only football game he could watch, but he passed away a few years ago in his nineties. And he would continue watching the Eagles. He just stayed with them, you know, and you always hear that joke about, I think it was an Eagles guy, an Eagles fan who, who passed away. And in his obituary, he said he wants his pallbearers to be players from the Eagles football team so they could let him down one last time. But that, that wasn't my father-in-law, but he was an Eagles fan. And all I could think of all those years when he was watching the Eagles play, he must've been thinking, Come on, guys, just once before I die. So a couple of summers ago, he passed away. That season, they win the Super Bowl. Oh. <laughs> so all I can think was he made it happen. He, he got That's up it. there. That's it. Yep. He got up there and said, all right, That's there's it. one more thing I got to do here. Yeah. <laughs> and what a game. And you know what? I was yeah. interviewing a, an author just the other day, uh, Michael Brenner who lives, uh, author of uh, Mean People Suck and The Content Formula. And he then went on and said, you know, that, that really was one of the best Super Bowls ever. Quite a story. I think so. And, uh, you know, just because I'm a fan, uh, <laughs> you know, no, I, I see it through rose-colored glasses. But, yeah, I thought it was a great game overall. And it wasn't even the first-string quarterback. <laughs> yeah, which made the story even better. I'm, I'm into a good story. Yeah. Well, speaking of good stories, I just have to let you guys know how much it it meant to me when I started reading your book and on page 40, you mentioned Talladega Nights, one of the greatest films in the American catalog. Yeah, we, we tried to make it fun to read uh, in addition to being extremely useful and practical. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I saw that. I had to take a picture of it. And Cash, I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes when I'm reading these books, like I was today, there'll be something funny in the book or there'll be something in there that their authors are kind of irritated at. And I'll agree. And I'll start making little jokes and I write them in the column. And I saw Talladega Nights mentioned on page 40. And I then wrote this book, Pisses Excellence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> I posted it on LinkedIn and, and I Twitter. I saw that. <laughs> right. Yes. I was just about to say, you're not the first person that, that mentioned Talladega Nights, but you are the first person and the second person. <laughs> yes. I don't think I really needed to, to read the book, but I, I uh, after that, it was like, you know, whatever these guys say, it goes, you know, you're either first or last. And so what I do is I'll take a picture of it now and I post it on LinkedIn and Twitter on the weekends and I just write jokes I tell myself while reading books. And uh, so, you know, um, there are a lot of books that talk about Navy SEALs. So I have to make jokes about how you have to have a book contract to be a Navy SEAL or, uh, you know, on and on and on. So, uh, but it's never at the author's expense, I promise you. In fact, today I was reading a book, uh, Stories That Stick by Kendra Hall. And oh, in the book- I'm reading that right now. Are you really? Right now. I'm on page like 28. I just started it last night. No kidding. Yep. Stories that stick, and I, with if all goes well, if she doesn't hear this episode, um, I will interview her tomorrow as we record this for Man, the Marketing Book Podcast. And it's a real, it's a real interview, not like this one, guys. So, <laughs> right. 
Um, but but in the book, she was uh, talking about how she's a little tired of all these business books talking about how great Apple is. <laughs> of course, I had to write, but it's business book law. Right. <laughs> or or the others, you know, you're, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of these examples that everyone talks about. Tesla, of course, you have to talk about that. You have to talk about um, uh, Apple, uh, you know, um, Airbnb, and on and on and on. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I love my authors. I love my authors. So at any rate, well, is there anything that uh, you you have learned? Let's start with Ethan. Is there anything that you've learned to do differently or there's something that's surprised you or, or that you're doing differently since this whole lockdown has started? No, I mean, you start to, it's so mixed. So we have a great culture at BombBomb and it's, you know, I miss uh, when we're all together and I miss the spontaneous unscheduled hallway conversations where, you know, you're interact. like, I don't have any project work with this person. Our teams don't work together very often, but we both happen to be waiting for the elevator or getting, I'm getting hot water for my tea. And you just, you know, or outside for a cigarette break. Oh, totally. Got choked down a couple smokes every 20 minutes. Oh, Steve's here every like 45 <laughs> minutes or so. And, uh, so anyway, like there's so much of that is what I really miss because you get you get a fuller picture of the company. You build real relationships with people. You get a fuller picture of the customer when you talk to different people in different teams. Mm. And so I miss that a lot. But you know, I think one thing we can all agree, especially if 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 you don't have to actually execute the education of your children yourself, um, we all enjoy so much more time with our families. Like I've. I, is has changed my perspective on everything. And so much of it is for the better. And I'm looking forward to balancing this stuff out. Like I would love a scenario where I'm in the office three days a week and at home two days a week. Um, and so some of these nice silver linings that we're all discovering that have been forced upon us, I hope that some of it stays. And I hope all these people who immediately said, oh my gosh, I do need to jump on video messaging that it sticks with them and they realize that this is solving a problem for them that they had five years ago and they'll have five years from today, no matter what life looks like in that future. So I hope we hold on to the things that, that are nice improvements to our lives. Uh, yeah. Covered. It turns out I have kids I'd forgotten about, but they okay. showed up here. Yeah. One of them came home showed from college. Yeah. 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 She came home from college and it was like, wait a minute, which, you know, younger kids. I mean, I was the youngest of four. So, I'm still fighting for attention, uh, as you can see. Um, but uh, yeah, she came home from uh, her senior year in college and they sent an email and said, yeah, don't come back and we can't do graduation either. And they even sent mom and dad a little bit of money back. So uh, Ethan, I got the sense that you are on the road speaking even more than Stephen. Is that true? Uh, no, I mean, Steve, I mean, we met Steve because he was a absolutely prolific and truly expert speaker. Uh, that's how we met him. Oh, you know what? Bomb. I just haven't been stalking Steve like I should. Yeah. That's going to change now. Yeah. But when do you think you're going to be back on, we'll be back on planes and, and going to live events? What do you think, Steve? Um, well, we, we have a, we have a vendor trying to push through a live event in August right now. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want to get on that plane. And, and, and it usually gets about 6,000 folks. Uh, at his live events, he, he's the most prolific speaker I've ever heard in my life. 
Um, one of them, definitely top, top three. Um, but yeah, I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. I know we sponsored it. I know where, you know, we should be going. And so I, I, I don't know, you know, like it's a wait and see. This is the approach that we're taking at, at BombBomb is, is wait and see. Like we don't want to give false expectations that people are coming back. Um, and, and you can't rather, force people to come back. No, yeah. no, no. And then you get, and you get sued. And, <laughs> and yeah. so like communication is, is so key and actually, and I'll tack on uh, to something that Ethan mentioned earlier uh, about your, your question, you know, just about how things have changed in the environment. You know, some of the things that, that I think that went really well, you know, at BombBomb is one, our president of BombBomb sends out Friday messages every single Friday in a video. And sometimes they're five minutes, but most of the time they're like 10 to 15 minutes. But they are, because it's each and every Friday, they're compelling. It's everything that's happening from a leadership perspective, sharing wins from the team. And you can go into his video analytics and watch the whole team is engaged because they're they're missing that, right? They're missing that. that oh, and it's just an internal audience that's saying Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I didn't make that clear. Yeah, so so internally- Because I wasn't invited in on these calls, but that's okay. I face rejection every day. Go ahead, please. Yeah, so- so that's that's one thing that that I think like is obviously going to continue even. Well, whereas even, in the past they might not have had uh, quite as much attention paid to them. Yeah, well, well, there's there's we would have in person meetings, and because we weren't having oh, as many in person meetings, the information wasn't flowing as well. And and there's definitions of culture out there just being simply uh, good communication. Like culture is communication and clear communication. That That is the underlying fabric of what makes a, a great culture. And so how can we communicate with our employees you know, at this time and video messaging? We're, t- we're taking the things that, that you were doing. Like we used to do something called Awesome Office. We would celebrate our five core competencies and tell stories about who's crushing it and nominate people. And someone would get the coolest office in the building for, for two weeks. But now we can't do off- Awesome Office. So now we're doing... Uh, something like I don't know what we're gonna call it. My name was horrible for it, so I'm not gonna say it. But you know, like uh, like no, show your vulnerability, please. Well, well, you, you know, you remember that that old MTV show, Pimp My Ride? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, my my it was like pimp your office, but we can't say that, and we're not gonna do that. And now I let the cat out of the bag. But it's gonna be like deck out your office, and we're we, you know, we're gonna give people money. You know, whoever wins the the core values for that week, you know, we'll get money to deck out their home office and like just. Yeah, kind of changing. Those are some of the the little things that we're that we're changing and that we're going to do, but make a big difference in the overall culture of the company. So, if your offices aren't there, what you're saying is, I might actually have a shot at that really cool office. You know, yeah. I, and I can't go there, but if I could win that, I would. That would really be cool. You know, because I'm still trying to impress my kids, at least the ones that I, you know, that are here in the house with me. Let me ask you another question, Stephen. Is there anything that you're worried about? Uh, that's resulting from the from the pandemic. Just just people in in general. Uh, you know, my I have close family relatives um, that don't have jobs right now, mm-hmm. and you know, I know a lot of people that that got let go. And you know, if this goes on mm. for too long, it's just you know how how are they going to care for for their families? And, uh, you know, I used to worry about teachers and children and I have, t- I have three kids and, and two kids in, in third grade. Um, 
my other child's in kindergarten, so it's not quite the same yet, but yeah. The, and you already have gray hair. So, wow. It yeah. was jet black before all that, right? It's from Bomb Bomb, really. It's oh. <laughs> oh, now it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like I used to worry about kids and, and teachers and schools, but like they're going to be fine. I see yeah. it. Like they're, they're figuring it out. But, but in general, you know, my, my brother-in-law works at a, a car dealership and, uh, you know, he's the general sales manager there. He's still not, still not working. And it's so, closed. It's closed. It's flat out closed right now. And, and, mm. and so I just, you know, and, and it was probably more a business oriented question. And I answered just in general, but no, I'm, that's a very honest uh, question because I mean, we're all employed and we're doing in this instance, we're fortunate that we're doing something. We have, we're in, we happen to be in a line of work where we can continue to work at home. And I got yeah. clients that can't, I have an, a client that is a, they have an asphalt plant. They build interstate highways. <laughs> they have to go to work. But still, you know, I was, I found out today where I live in Virginia, they said, you can go get a haircut. And uh, so I called up the barbershop and they said, yeah, you can come in on Saturday at 10. And my wife found out about this and she said, you will not go in there. She's still so worried about me, you know, uh, going in there. And she said, you know, our daughter will cut your hair. So stay tuned. But it's, you know, but I think people are worried and, and it's like uh, they might say, okay, the dealerships can open up for instance, and I'm not sure how much traffic's going to be there, particularly if people are so uncertain about their, uh, their finances. Right. And it's just going to be a you know, waterfall effect. And I'm, I'm just scared to see how this pans out even six months from now, you, you know, like the, the major change to the way that, that people interact with one another. And, and, uh, and yeah, I think people are going to get used to. It. I'm I'm afraid that my kids are going to get used to being at home and not going out because they're homebodies to begin with. And I see it like, mm. like we wanted to go out the other day for a drive, and they're like, "No!" I'm like, "You guys have been cooped up in this house for weeks or months now, and like mm-hmm. you don't want to go out." Like they, so they just get comfortable. And so I hope it doesn't change, you know, our willingness to to go out in the future and meet and congregate, you know, when it's safe to do so. Do you think they'll be going back to school in the fall? I, I don't think so. Really? I don't, but I hope I'm wrong. Yes. Um, well, you know, they might not go back to school and the Eagles might not be playing. I mean, this, <laughs> or if they play, they're not going to have a full stadium. I think there's enough TV money in sports that they'll figure out how to do it with uh, fractional audiences or mm-hmm. I mean, the television audience and it is, is enough to make it a worthwhile endeavor if you can figure out all the process of having enough tests on hand and forehead scanning and all that business. Um, yeah. But, but just, your, your point is like, let's say they open the stadiums at 30% capacity. We're going to sell 30% of the seats. There's going to be every other row, a maximum group size of four, minimum of four seats between each group. And you get 30% of the stadium full or whatever. Um, Which for some NFL teams is about, normal. Right. And, and frankly, probably too much for, for the product they're putting on the field, <laughs> depending on who's in town. And, and so, um, you know, even in that scenario to the, to the observation earlier, are you going to find 30% capacity that feels comfortable doing that? I think probably, probably you will in some cases, but you know, when Disneyland opens again, who's getting in line, 
when the movie theaters open back up, who's getting in line. And so there's this trepidation is going to keep us in this kind of interesting cycle. And to Steve's point, I worry about the same thing. I worry about um, uh, inflation for the trillions of dollars we've printed combined with, you know, tens of millions of people unemployed and not a clear picture of how they're going to, how it's all going to come back together. Yeah. It's so uh, interesting. And each week our, uh, I guess our expectations are changing. Everyone seems to be open to learning about how this has affected other countries, but a couple of authors have reminded me of the line from William Goldman, the late novelist and screenwriter who said basically about Hollywood, nobody knows anything. <laughs> well, and that, that's the other interesting thing too, is there's so much Monday morning quarterbacking going on, uh, no matter, you know, whether, whether it's political or not. So many people like sniping about what's happening or what isn't happening or what should happen. It's like, there's no playbook for this. Like back off. These are just people trying to make the right decision for themselves, their stakeholders, their families, et cetera. Like, let's have a little bit of grace for one another. Yes. And I think it's, I feel so much better because I don't watch any television news. And even on the internet, I, I've really cut back on even looking at some of the news. And I think that everyone would just be so much better off if they would just listen to the Marketing Book Podcast. I'll tell you what, it's just learning and growth. I, you know, I, thank I, you. I know Steve won't disagree. Yes, I thank you. I, yeah, I've put him on mute, so I, he can't uh, disagree. But uh, anyway, that dude you reads know, books. I'm doing this daily series here until I run out of quarantine or authors. And frankly, I'm starting to run out of authors. Actually, I should have done you guys individually so that I could get two more uh, episodes. No, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. I do this as a service to my family so that they get at least an hour off a day. Kind of a, kind of a dad break, a Douglas break. So, you know, and so they, I'm sure they've been messaging you during uh, this call. Uh, you probably didn't recognize their cell numbers, but they were saying, can you please keep him on a little bit longer? No, I got a great Almost thank got you the video door email locked. already. I got a What's really nice thank you video email. <laughs> Oh, good. I, well, I hope it's one of the kids that I recall. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have two kids. They're in their 20s, and uh, they're, they're a couple of very uh, good eggs. And uh, my, so my daughter's here uh, spending a lot more time uh, with dad than she expected. And then my son is an EMT and uh, in the Outer Banks and in Virginia Beach. And we were very concerned about him catching the virus. I mean, he's a first responder. And then um, we were saying, is there maybe a place we could rent for you for six months or a year or something like that? Next thing I knew, all these hotels at the Virginia Beach Oceanfront have been quite empty. This one resort company said, if there's any first responders that want a place to quasi self-quarantine, come on out. It was Diamond Resorts, diamondresorts.com. I'd never heard of them. And you know, obviously, they were getting hammered financially. But the uh, next thing I knew, he was at the, in a very nice suite at the Virginia Beach Oceanfront with a full kitchen. And I, I, for me, it was, I was very grateful for that, but also, and he's still there. But, you know, come Memorial Day, they may start saying, all right, some people are coming back to these hotels. <laughs> Run along. <laughs> but uh, I think that was yet another one of these stories of companies acting out of helpfulness and generosity. And they had like one blog post offering this. It's not like they were buying advertising to, to tell people about that. However, the local CBS affiliate did a, a segment about this company doing that. And who did they interview? 
Douglas Burdett's son. Now, he didn't identify me as that um, on the segment, but I'll tell you one thing he did do. And you know what? On your episode's show notes at marketingbookcocktails.com, I know you're impressed by that URL. I'm going to include a link to that segment from the CBS affiliate. And in that segment, they were interviewing him. And what did he say? He said, well, my parents are older, so I'm concerned about them. <laughs> Classic. I said, well, I guess you know anybody's parents. I mean, Steve, your kids probably think you're really old. And they're only oh, they in third do. grade. So. Yeah. yeah, they do. <laughs> Yes, but you are older, older than him. Well, he was talking like, I mean, he was sitting there with this EMT outfit speaking as, I guess, the medical professional that he is. I, he was implying that his parents are in a high risk <laughs> group because they're his parents who are older. So anyway, right. well, yes, I'm older, but I'm just as immature as I ever have been. And that's my mission statement. So Ethan, Stephen, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to catch up with you guys. Thank you for putting up with my uh, tomfoolery. And I really appreciate you guys coming on Authors in Quarantine, Getting Cocktails. Cheers. Thank you so much for having us on. We appreciate it. We had a great time. Thank you very much.